0: That's right. Get 55% off at babble.com slash SPP. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash SPP. Rules and restrictions may apply. How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good?
1: Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great, you'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Hello and welcome to Smart People Podcast, conversations that are continuing to satisfy your curious mind even when you might be losing your mind cooped up in quarantine somewhere. By the time you're listening to this, though, I don't know. I don't know. Depending on where you are in the world, maybe you are uh, getting out there, experiencing the wide world again. Speaking of which, I'm curious, you know, we've kind of stayed away from covering the coronavirus or things like that primarily because we like to think of ourselves as an outlet to learn things maybe outside of the norm, you know, um, not mainstream, not, I don't want to say clickbait, but, you know. But then I was talking to somebody the other day, and they said, Chris, by covering things that are in the news, you're just giving the material that people want. And it made me question, maybe we should, right? Maybe we should follow, quote, unquote, the news. And I'd love your take on it. So feel free, email us. Uh, You can email me, chris at smartpeoplepodcast.com. Guarantee you, it gets read. Um, So chris at smartpeoplepodcast.com. Tell us what you want to hear more of, and do you want to hear more about things like the coronavirus or health or viruses in general, the spread, pandemics, whatever, because we can go get experts. That said, this is an episode that I think will kind of break you out of that monotony. Uh, We're interviewing Coach Dana Cavalier. He wrote a book called Habits of a Champion, Nobody Becomes a Champion by Accident. And Coach Dana is a highly sought-after high-performance coach. He spent the majority of his career as the director of performance for the New York Yankees. In 2009, he led the team to a World Series championship. And that year, he was voted by his peers as the top strength coach in Major League Baseball. He wasn't just the strength coach, though. He was the performance coach. You'll hear as he talks about in the interview, his job is really to help these fine-tuned athletes be the best they can possibly be. Well, that's great and all, but personally, my favorite part might be the story of CeCe Sabathia in a bathtub, right? Or Mariano Rivera throwing a cutter. And if you don't know what I just said, I'm a diehard Yankees fan. I have been since I was about six, and I think I knew what baseball was and what it was to root for a team. And so it was really fun to talk a few things Yankees. But even more than that, we talk about mindset. We talk about how we can all reach that elite level in whatever we look to do. And we do that because Coach Dana currently, yes, he works with high-level athletes, but he also works with universities, organizations, CEOs, executives, you know, a wide range of people really to help them become what they want, who they want. And so I'm really excited to bring you this episode. I want to remind you, now's a great time to give us a shout out on social media if you're up for it. Let people know, hey, if you want to check out a podcast that's got tons of episodes, a lot of great guests, and no, it's not all about coronavirus, head to smartpeoplepodcast.com. We'd really appreciate it if you'd share the news and or support us at Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash smartpeoplepodcast. And for as little as $2 a month, you get cool perks like you could have asked Coach Dana a question. Uh, If you support us there, you get access to all of our guests and you can ask them questions and you get ad-free episodes. That's patreon.com slash smartpeoplepodcast. If you're thinking about it, if you've thought about it for a while, go ahead, stop what you're doing. You can do it on your phone in about one minute. All right. Happy to bring you this, as always, something to improve your life, expand your mind, and stoke that curiosity. Here it is, Coach Dana Cavalier, as we talk about his brand new book, Habits of a Champion. Enjoy. First, Coach Dana, thanks so much for being on the show.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Look, I'm so fascinated. I want to learn all about your background, your upbringing. Uh, I want to learn how I can get better. But we were just kind of talking about it. And as an an athlete and just a diehard sports fan and and sports enthusiast, um, coaching means a lot to me in a lot of different areas. And you do it in a lot of different areas. How do you think of yourself when when you think of being a coach for both high performance athletes, executives, and even for children? What does that mean to you?
2: for me the biggest thing is 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 helping somebody to optimize you know their performance wherever they are in their journey and 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 performance is somewhat of an overused word today but performance could be you know giving somebody the confidence you know to do something small or giving somebody um, you know the feeling of support just in in something that they've just that they've just done so you know it's 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 coach means in my mind, I'm there for you. You know, I'm there to motivate you, inspire you, encourage you, you know, hold you accountable, care for you, support you and, and assist you in moving towards where it is that you desire to go.
1: So in my experience having, I mean, I'm, I'm certified as a technical, you know, a coach, like a work type coach, career type coach. I do a lot of coaching now. Um, obviously coaching my kids and things like that. It takes for somebody to be successful as essentially as a coach now in what you're doing that, that varies, but that title, it means you have to be a certain type of person. You have to have a certain personality. Um, Mm -hmm. successful coaches are not egotistical. They do not necessarily put their own views first. Um, I think they realize exactly what you said. They're a support to the growth of others. Have you always had that mindset is coaching something you always wanted to do how did you how did that kind of come about for you
2: uh you know for me i wanted to be you know a professional player i think like most you know young men especially in the in the new york area or maybe the virginia area you know you know i wanted to play for the yankees that was my my dream you know it was like a little boy's dream to go play professional ball and you know along my journey i realized that um through my evaluation and through the evaluation of Major League Baseball scouts, I just didn't have, I, I didn't have the talent set to get to the next level. But I was able to maximize my talent, you know, as a result of some of the great coaches that took an interest and invested in me, and they helped me what I, you know, I call wringing out the sponge and got every last drop of talent out of me. Now there were some bad coaches too that hurt my confidence. Um, I felt like, you know, they just sort of set me back and and I allowed them to because I was around them too much and too long but ultimately you know the great coaches had a had a really positive impact on my life and and I never forgot that and I said well what an amazing career path if you can help people advance themselves and really you know take advantage of every ounce of talent that they have and and help them get to their next place and that's that's how I I sort of fell in love with coaching and even today you know that's what keeps me going is when your people go on and have success, it's an amazing thing. You know, when the company that you work with, you know, hits certain thresholds and levels, um, you know, it's just, it's it's an amazing and, and very rewarding career path. Absolutely. And, you know, look, as we, you
1: and I have talked about it, I don't know how much I've talked to listeners about it, but literally, you know, have been a diehard Yankee fan since I was about six years old. And uh, I was in, you know, upstate New York with all my cousins and I could tell you probably every player from like the 1993 roster in comparison to the 2010 roster of the Yankees. But, um, point being here, you know, I know what it's like to grow up with that dream. And so maybe from a, from a selfish perspective, I'm curious on what your baseball growth was like. So, you know, where did you excel up until when did you excel? And then what do you think held you back from going to the next level?
2: You know, I, I excelled as a young player. Um, you know, I was able to play in college, um, but I but I got to a point. I, here's the thing of baseball. It's such a mental game more so than just the physical. So, you know, my running speed was good. It wasn't great. My ability to hit for power was was really good. My ability to hit for average wasn't so good you know, my arm was above average, but because my speed wasn't great, my defensive ability was somewhat questionable as an outfielder. So when you consider all those things, it's like, I'm good here, but I'm not great here. You know, I'm great here, but I'm good here or I'm bad, you know? So, so the average of my game allowed me to, you know, play division one level in the Northeast um, and more of a division two, II, division three level in the Southeast and where it's more competitive. So. So I knew my ability level. And every time I tried to climb, you know, because I didn't have the talent, I had the work ethic, I didn't have the talent, it would eventually creep into my mindset. And I was trying to to play at a level I just couldn't get at. And eventually, you know, you get to the point where mentally it starts to have negative effects on you because you're trying to push and you're trying to understand it and you're trying to figure it out. And the day I figured it out was the day I said, you've gone as far as you can go. It's time to think about what's next. Mm. And and that was the day that I that I figured it out. Because when you're meeting so much resistance and you keep hitting this wall and you know you're doing the work, you also then have to have the conversation of knowing when it's time to move on and do something else. Well, and that's what I'm fascinated by. And this might be a wormhole that listeners can or can't
1: understand. I mean, so many people are athletes, so I think they get it, but like I know very clearly for me kind of my road in the same way you're talking about it. I mean, defensively, I literally think I could have played at almost any level. I mean, I was always winning defensive awards. Um, it, you know, my hands, I think from a defensive perspective were just they were something that always stuck out. Uh I couldn't hit for shit. And it was a, it was a mindset. Like, that's why I fully get it. I mean, I I feel like knowing what I know now, if I could go back and be 18, I think I would have been able to go even further. Um, but I had a fear. I had not, you know, I didn't have like an attack mindset. I had uh, a scarcity mentality. So, you know, oh, if I I struck out, am I going to strike out again and then go over three that day? And if I do that three days in a row, what happens to my average? And like, you know. So I'm just curious from your perspective, um, especially having gone on to, to coach professionals, do you think you could have like worked your way through it? If you had different, uh, coaches or different opportunities, or do you think there is just a physical barrier that the vast majority of us hit and nothing would get us past that?
2: Yeah, I do think that there's there's a, a talent ceiling for each of us, and we have to know what that is for us. And, and you know, having worked with players up close and personal like Derek Jeter and Alex Rodriguez and Mariano Rivera, there is a definite uh, talent gap that exists between them and let's say 98% of the population that never gets a chance to, to get to that level. It is they have ability and talent that is far greater than the average person and the above average person there there's a a definite talent ceiling and you know you can work all day long and you're never going to get to that level their their natural level of talent is just that much higher than the average person and when they start working the gap becomes even greater i mean given the work you do with kids and the work you've done with
1: professionals what do you think creates that gap? I mean, there's so many theories these days, right, on when to start them. And I know a big one now is instead of kind of going towards one sport when you're younger, that the best athletes go towards many. What's your theory on this talent gap?
2: Yeah, well, I, I think it's exactly that. You know, people say, you know, is talent made or are you born with it? And really what I've seen, again, you're, you're definitely born we all are born with different levels of talent for different things. Now, these guys that go and play the highest level, most of them, they are born with a higher level of talent. Now, if they don't work or they're lazy or they have bad habits, that does, you know, it gives the opportunity for someone that does work to, to close the gap. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. so, so talent is, listen, it's a blessing if you have it. It doesn't guarantee you anything except a, it's like uh, the equivalent of giving somebody a five to 10 second head start, you know? That's already Mm. fast.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny when I think of Yankees, so you mentioned Rivera. So when I think of Rivera, I think of somebody who, you know, I mean, look, I think he's the best closer in the history of baseball, but sure, it could be debatable, but that's my take. But um, he really did it off of, one pitch and the mentality. I think if I were to ask you, I would imagine you would say his mindset was really what made him extraordinary, but it seems like that is something that could be learned. And I, I know that that's the outsider's incorrect perspective, but how hard is it to throw a cutter?
2: Yeah. Well, it's to throw a cutter is not hard, right? But every cutter cuts differently. And, and here's the thing, you know, when you understand the body's physiology and the makeup of the body, You know, everybody's got different levels of tension in their body. So they're able to get different angles. And based on the angle that you get, you know, with your arm will also help determine how that ball cuts. So he had a gift, you know, for that ball to cut the way it cuts. Um, But but at the same time, you know, again, you could have somebody that has that sort of cutter, but doesn't have the same mindset. And the cutter is far less effective. They can't throw it for strikes they can't put it where they want. And, and, you know, Mo is one of my, my buddies, you know, we're very close. And wow. I, I always tell this story. And I, and I said, Mo, you know, I remember in 1995 when you took the mound for the first time and I saw you, you're a skinny kid from Panama. And I didn't really think much of you at the time. And, and it yeah. gives me a smirk and well, what do you mean? And I said, well, listen, you know, you've impressed me very quickly when you leaned back and you threw 95 97 and every year after 1995. You just got better and better. And I said, but I got a question for you now. And this was just a couple of years ago. I was at his house in the off season, stretching him in his basement. And he goes, um, I said, how do you do it? How do you do it? And he goes, buddy, do what? I said, how do you get it done in the biggest situations with high pressure? Mm -hmm. And he says, buddy, I do three things. He goes, number one, I slow everything down. Number two, I quiet the noise. And number three, I throw one pitch at a time. That's how I do it slow it down, quiet the noise, one pitch at a time. And I said, wow, that's, that's unbelievable. I said, but what about the big situations, you know, game on the line, you know, world series. And he looks at me and this was something that was spoken to me by him. And it, it changed my viewpoint really on everything I've done ever since. And he said, buddy, there are no big situations. Every situation is the same. We decide what it is that we give life to. We make a big situation, a big situation, but..." Every situation is the same. And I said, wow, that's really powerful. I mean, how many times are we in a meeting or are we doing something that maybe we haven't done before, but we make it this gigantic thing. And it's like, it's just the thing. It's just another thing.
0: And now a word from this week's sponsor. This week's episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. I got my first cell phone with one of the big wireless providers, geez, 20 years ago, maybe more. And honestly, I've hated my monthly bill ever since. But then I discovered there's another option that could give me the premium service I'm used to at a fraction of the cost. I could cut my wireless bill down to just 15 bucks a month and save hundreds of dollars by switching to Mint Mobile. For anyone out there who's looking to save without sacrificing service, switching to Mint Mobile is a no-brainer. For customers that hate their wireless bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. By going online only and eliminating the traditional costs of retail, Mint Mobile can pass significant savings onto you. Every plan comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text plus crazy fast 4G LTE. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their 7-day money-back guarantee. Switch to Mint Mobile to get premium wireless for 15 bucks a month. John, this sounds awesome. What do I need to do? Glad you asked. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, head over to mintmobile.com smart. That's mintmobile.com smart. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash smart. And now back to the episode.
1: It's so, gosh, that is really powerful because I'm sure everybody listening was just walking through those moments in their life. Like, what is the big thing for you? You know? So I, we were talking about, I do a lot of corporate workshops and there's, there'll be times when it's with executive groups, high pressure, high money, high stakes, high requirements. And like. I have this mental battle, Chris, yeah. you've done this hundreds of times before, but this one's different. Don't screw up, but you got this. And, you know, and I, I can totally get that when in reality, it's just the thing. Like, it's the same thing. I mean, the same way you're throwing a pitch, you're giving a speech, you're, you know, executing X, Y, Z. That's really interesting take on it.
2: Yeah. It's, a, it's pretty cool. Cause we, like you said, we can all go through these moments, even things that we've done a, a hundred times. And we're like, why do we still get crazy you know over this and usually it's it's a conversation that we're having with ourselves that oftentimes is not real it's like you know we're so worried about the external validation and he's basically saying i'm not worried about being validated from the external i've i'm already validated from the internal and mm-hmm. and that's how he goes about doing what it is that that he does and what he did and and why you know he was the best best in the world at it when you see most high performers that get to that sort of exceptional level even in business you know there's something special about those people and they're usually extremely convicted individuals oftentimes confused with arrogance or you know ego but there but there's a level of conviction and and an energy that they put out that others that others don't and it could be very intimidating
1: well look i want to talk about how you were the director of performance of the yankees especially when they were winning the world series yeah. but But while we're on this topic, like what, everything you just mentioned, so can perform under pressure, uh, you know, best in the world, et cetera. And then when you said, and oftentimes it can be perceived as ego. I mean, when I think of Derek Jeter, like as a baseball player, I I will never forget every time he was in a big situation. There were fans around the world who just knew that he was going to execute, like I remember, so I was at the, the last game he played, uh, let's see, I, gosh, I don't want to butcher it, but it was at Camden yard. So it might've been the last game he played in Camden yard. I can't, I, there was something, but it was the game where he hit the, he hit a base knock to drive in the run. I feel like, was it his
2: last at bat? Well, his last at bat was actually, uh, that was at Yankee stadium. Yeah,
1: that one. So I remember the last time I went the last time he was at Camden yards, but his last at bat, ever didn't he drive in like a go ahead run yeah. to, to right center? He hit it to right center, right? Yep, yep, that was it. Okay, yes. So I remember watching that and being like, before he hit it, going, he's either gonna go out on like a bomb or like he's going to do something special. It's impossible that he doesn't. Now, when you huh. think about the percentage basis of that happening, is extremely low. I mean, and I don't believe he brought uh, an arrogance to it at all. Like, what was he
2: like? What was your experience with him? It, well, I, I'll, I'll talk about Derek and I'll I'll talk about guys again of his profile. There's a very distinct difference between them and everybody else. And, and you, here's what it is. There's a big situation. I can't wait to get up in that situation. There's a big situation. I can't wait to get the ball. I want the ball. I want to be the one that's up at bat or, or throwing that pitch where everyone else says, okay. Uh, I mean, if I get up, I get up or, you know, they, they, these guys are, they want the moment. They want that moment. They want the ball. And that's the biggest thing. And a guy like Derek, I mean, he'll, he'll compete with you on everything. He's a very competitive person. I mean, he'll bet you whether, you know, it's going to rain today or not, you know, he'll bet <laughs> you on any game that's going on, he'll want to bet you and, and, you know, and beat you, and and that's that's the thing. You know, a lot of these guys are very competitive people, um, but the best of the best, they know their talent, and they actually really want to. They want to beat you. They want to win. That's what it's about. And and it's a, it's an attitude, and it's a it's a swagger, and um, you know, it's it's amazing to see, and the energy that comes with them and off of them is pretty amazing. So I want to talk about that because, you know, as the director
1: of performance, I'm sure you dealt a lot with mindset as well as I know you dealt with kind of the body. Um, but you know, and as a, as a former player, you know, that it's easier to say than to do, right? Like if you were listening and you weren't an athlete you can go, well, how hard is it to just get to a, a mindset where you want the ball? But like, it's, it's, I mean, I, I think it's just not in some of us, myself included, like in, in those sports, I, I never had that. I was always like, if I get up, I get up, but like best case scenario, maybe I walk. Like that was just, you know, that was just a mindset and it's horrible to say that, but I, I know that now, um, is that something that can be taught? How, what is it that, that gives them
2: that mindset? Uh, And what can we take away from it? I think what gives them the mindset is that they're they're doing what it is they are supposed to be doing. Right. So they're they're living in complete alignment. It's like, hey, here's my gift. Here's what I'm great at. And and I'm doing it at the highest level. So so they don't really doubt that anything, really. They don't doubt themselves. And on the other end, you know, they're living in, in such clarity and simplicity that they're not trying to do too much. Um, what i found the best of the best in terms of players their routines are very simple they do the same thing every single day and they keep it really really simple where you know most people i feel are out of alignment you know they're playing the wrong position they're not or they're they're playing a position that they're decent at but they're not doing actually what they' they would be great at and it causes them just this, split in terms of their confidence and their belief in themselves and their belief in what they're doing. There's always this like, what if I should be doing something else where these guys are just completely aligned and and they know that what they're doing is what they're supposed to be doing. And they go out there and they just let their talent play out as opposed to always trying on new things and trying to be better and better. They say, I'm already great. What are the things that I need to do to keep basically polishing my talent? as opposed to like acquiring new skills. It's a really interesting way to look at it. Yeah.
1: No, it is for, for, and I, it's not about me, but oftentimes I think it can help for those listening. We get a lot of emails, young adults, what should I do? You know, I want to enjoy what I do type thing. And I always think about, and this is an interesting thing to relate. So I didn't have that mindset in sports. I didn't have that mindset when I worked in finance. Um, And it wasn't until, I started communicating for a living. So keynote speeches, workshops, et cetera, where exactly what you're saying happened. And, and there's a guy named Simon Sinek who explained it to me essentially in a way that was when you're, when you're aligned, when you're in that alignment and you're doing the thing that's you, it's no longer a nervousness of not performing. It's an excitement of performing mm. and it can only happen or it happens best when you are like, just so it's not even a confidence. You're just so confident in this is the place you should be. And you are using those skills that are natural and you've built upon. Yep. And I've just seen it, you know, public speaking. I mean, you do that, right? It's a skill that a lot of people just, they dread. They, they say, I want to throw up. And I'm like, that's just so interesting. You know, yeah, but yeah. I never looked at it in this perspective, in the paradigm shift of sports versus that.
2: Yeah. And I, and I love that. And you know, for me, this is something that I always say is, uh, you know, I do speak, but I'm a coach that happens to speak. I'm not a speaker <laughs> that happens to coach. So like, I don't look at speaking as anything other than coaching. So I'm like in my tonality, the way I approach the group, I'm coaching the group. And for me, that, that puts me in alignment because I'm a coach, right? So, and and for you, it's, it's the same thing. You're whatever your best way of communicating is that you're aligned to that. And then you feel great, um, Because, and you're, you're giving your best.
1: That's such a good point. I think it's a message for everyone. It's just, you know, instead of seeking, I want to be great at this kind of recognizing, I don't think you'll be as great as you can be unless you have aligned with, you know, natural talents, gifts, abilities, passions, joy, pursuit, all of those things.
2: Yeah. And, and, and don't be afraid to ask yourself the question, what am I great at? And if you come to an answer, a lot of people, they know what they're great at. And the first thing they do is like, I don't know if I could make that a career or Ah. I don't know if I could monetize that. And it's like, listen, when I first got involved with with training, I was like, how do I do anything with this? And then you realize when you allow your passion to take over and and people feel that um, opportunities present themselves. And it's what's really great about leading with talent first and leading with natural ability first is that you're actually not thinking about financials first. (laughs) So so it's amazing. It puts you in a very clear and, and, um, you know, open space that, that is not really colluded, you know? I, man, I do know. And
1: I have to say this just because I know 25 year old me would listen to this interview and be like, all right, damn it, guys. Like I hear what you're saying, but I don't know what that is for me. Like I'm never going to find it. I've searched, I've tried. And I, I know from my perspective, my advice is always experience as many different things as you can and pay attention to both yourself and how others perceive you in those experiences. Yeah. Cause that's how I found out communication was the thing I was good at. It was other people saying it to me. Yeah. So I'm curious from your perspective, what advice do you give? I'm sure you get asked this when people are trying to find the thing that they
2: can and want to excel at. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing I always say is it's like people saying, I'm trying to find my passion. One thing I always say is that passion, you don't find it. It's, it's already within you. You just have to bring it to the surface. And when you can do that, uh, you do that by doing a lot of different things and, and saying to yourself, Hey, what did I enjoy and what came easy to me? And, 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 When you can find that, you know what do I enjoy and what comes easy, what comes natural, and then also again, where am I getting a lot of that um, applause? When you can kind of find that, there it is. And but but it comes from within you first. And actually, the the last thing I look at is is public opinion um, because you know opinions could be very dangerous. You know, and there'll be a lot of people that will tell you, hey, you're a bad communicator, and you're like, no, but I'm, but I know I'm good at this because I have helped X amount of people, or I do know that, you know, so there's people that are just going to not like your style. They're not going to like your voice, but it doesn't mean you're bad at it. So that's a good
1: point. Yeah.
2: Just keep, I always tell people like passion, your passion and what you're supposed to do is it's within you. Just bring it up, just bring it to the surface by doing a lot of different things, trying Mm. things. And you'll say, where was the, Where was there not so much resistance and where, where did I feel lit up? I love that. Well, and I mentioned this, I want to talk about what did, what did you do as the director of
1: performance? I mean, the director of performance for the New York Yankees when they were, you know, in one of their primes is, is a really cool title. I know you were voted by peers as top strength, strengths coach in MLB, um, receiving the Nolan Ryan award. I mean, a lot of accolades in a very difficult industry. So first, I'm curious, what did you do in your time specifically with the
2: Yankees? Yeah, So the, the way the, the, the industry of professional coaching works at the professional level is, I always say the day you start, it's like turning an hourglass over and, and it gets faster, the sand at times, it gets slow. Sometimes it appears to, to have stopped, but it's always moving, right? So, so you have to take advantage of the time that you're there. Now, my job, people say, well, what 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 did you do? What was this career? You know, director of performance, head performance coach. You know, for me, our organization spent $300 million on human assets and, and human capital. And I had to make sure that that human capital was ready to be deployed Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. and on the weekends at 1 p.m. and ready to play, physically ready, mentally ready, rehabilitated from injury and as pain free as possible so they can go out there and allow their skill to dominate on the diamond and dominate the other team and dominate the opposition. So we, as an organization, we're in the best possible position to win each and every day. That that's really what I did, and alongside you know the x's and o's of getting your players you know faster, stronger, you know, um, dietarily getting getting them in a better position and and helping them to have a a more powerful mindset, um, you know, and rehabilitating them from injuries. It was about each day giving them the support that they needed to get out there because most people see high end athletes and they say, wow, um, you know, these guys, it just all comes with the package, but you know, listen, there's times when they need some motivation, they need a kick in the butt. Um, and it was my job to make sure that, that I was giving that to them. And always giving them the feeling that, hey, we're a team and I I support you in what it is that you want to do.
0: This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Listen, we're all sitting at home. We've had a lot of time to think. And as you're doing that thinking, are you thinking about that there's something that's preventing you from achieving your goals? Are there things that are interfering with your happiness? If so, you have to check out BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. It's online, so it's super easy. You can connect in a safe and private online environment. And because of that, you can start communicating in under 24 hours. Listen, this isn't self-help. It is professional counseling. And you'll have the opportunity to send a message to your counselor anytime. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. And the best part is you don't have to sit in a waiting room. You can do this all online. If you want to reach out and talk to someone, BetterHelp has licensed professional counselors who specialize in depression, anxiety, relationships, self-esteem, and family conflicts. And you don't have to worry. Everything that you share is completely confidential. Best of all, it's a truly affordable option. Our listeners of Smart People Podcast get 10% off your first month with the discount code SPP. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com slash SPP. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash SPP. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash SPP. And now back to the episode.
2: Because So what oh go ahead. No, I was gonna say it's a tough business. You know, these guys, you know, the average career in the big leagues is like five years or less. Wow. That's crazy. I guess yeah. you don't so, you don't imagine, realize that in the MLB. Yeah, imagine you're you're you know, you've been working your whole life, your dream comes true, you're in the big leagues at twenty-two and you're out by twenty-seven. What do you do? from 27 to you know 85 or 90 that's a lot of years and and your primary skill set um uh, you know it's no longer valued at the highest level of sport anymore so the one thing that came easy to you you can no longer um utilize at that highest level anymore because the organization found somebody better yeah so that that's a real you know mind trick Now, what
1: was it about you that led you to the highest levels as a coach? I mean, really, think about it. That's like, that's, it's one of the pinnacles. If you were to say, you know, I'm a sports fan and I want to coach Well, doing it at the Yankees and then being voted as the best at what you do, uh, that is elite. What do you think made you elite in that profession?
2: For me, it, it wasn't, um, my skills first, right? It was it was I was always people first, player first. So I I always built a relationship first. Because I knew if if a player got to know who you were and I got to know who he was, I had my best chance to allow that player to basically grant me access, you know, to their castle, which is their body, which is their money making tool, to their mind, which is, you know, going to keep them on that field as well. So once I got access to that, Then I allowed my talent to take over, you know, which is coaching, you know, the motivation, inspiration, encouragement side. But also I worked as a physical coach. So something that always comes easy to me is taking people out of out of pain, physical and mental pain that that they're enduring, you know, from from injury or from even psychological uh, pressure that they put on themselves. So I got a chance, you know, to do that um, each and every day once I got access
1: let me, let me ask you about the physical side. It's something that physical strength, I don't think we cover enough. And it's an area that I struggle with just from a uh, motivation. I, I don't like being sore. Um, and actually one of the things that I've dealt with recently is with all the travel and then eight hours a day on your feet, talking, You know, trying to get a, a group of adults engaged. is really hard. So when I come home and I, I wanna do physical things, I don't like, especially lift weights. I just really can't, but I need to. So, um, for the, everyone out there who wants to be in better physical shape, you know, what recommendations do you have from both a healing perspective, also a motivation perspective?
2: Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, there's a couple different parts to it. And the one thing is if you want to compete in the world of business, I, I always say energy wins. So you're not training just for the six pack anymore. You're not training for, you know, the biggest biceps in town. You're training your body for energy. So you got to look at the body and say, hey, where am I not getting an energy return on my body? And what I find is, you know, most people like you, you just said, hey, I'm traveling a lot. Well, the first thing is you're probably locked up. So do you even need to be lifting right away? Because think about what lifting is. Lifting is contraction. Contraction is oh, shortening. When you shorten, you're already you're already shortened from the sitting and the traveling. So you need to actually be thinking lengthen. So for, for most executives and most leaders that I work with, the first part of any sort of, you know, transformation, executive transformation, life coaching transformation, you know, exec, you know, uh, business transformation is personal transformation as it results, you know, as it relates to your physicality. So if I could get you longer, if I could get you leaner and I could get you a better energy return, you're going to feel better about yourself because everybody that gets longer and gets leaner and gets lighter you know starts to feel a little better about themselves and there starts to kick in the energy there starts to kick in the confidence so all right well
1: listen i got to cut you off because this just turned into a coaching session okay i have yeah. to i got to do this because because i know the people that listen like I, you know the people you work with um executives successful people intelligent people people on the go traveling etc um when you say things like Energy return. My ears perk up because it's been one of the things I've fought against my entire life was sustained, uh, easy to go by energy. Hmm. So, in all of your experience working with all these high performers who who you know we all find a way to turn it on during the day. It's just how we get there, whether it's coffee and all this stuff. Um, how do we increase that? Because I am a firm believer in what you said. Energy is the way to win. Yeah. today in a lot of areas.
2: Well, well here, here's the thing we circling back and, and I do this a lot, right? I, yeah. I, every, every question that you have has a little bit more depth to it, believe it or not. And, you know, what's a big word today in corporate America, right? It's burnout. It's, you know, fatigue, you know, these are, these are real things and it happens because it's, it's trying to take advantage of your body's energy that it doesn't have. So it's like you just said, Hey, I could, I could saddle up when I have to, but I'm asking you, Hey, what is it costing you to do that? When you're fried, when you're tired, when you're lethargic and you don't have the energy and now you have to just saddle up and bring it anyway, you could be depleting your body so much that you eventually can't get that energy back right away. It's not like I could, Oh, I'll just get a good night's sleep tonight. and I'll come back tomorrow. It could take you days. It could take you weeks. For some people, it could take even months. Uh, so if they keep going into a depleted energy source, they're going to be shot. And and that's what the importance of this. And again, for some people, getting started, it's not about just these all-out you know CrossFit or boot camp type training sessions. I work with some executives you know that are that are in growth mode, trying to continue to raise money. Um, it's exhausting dining and but. It's about just getting uh, them to start something and it could just be working their soft tissue in their body. You know, um, anything from massage, which is therapeutic, stretching, which is therapeutic, saunas, steams, baths, hot tubs, all of that. Like don't dismiss the therapeutic side and say, well, it's not exercise. A depleted body really benefits from those modalities. And it's really? really important. Yeah, it's it's oftentimes more important. I work with an executive that I worked with, uh, a founder of a company, um, you know, multi-billionaire years ago. And I gave him this formula. I said, hey, let me ask you this. Do you know anybody? You know, you hear the story all the time. Skinny guy, you know, very successful type A, you know, runs three to five miles a day. Boom, drops dead of a heart attack. We all know that yeah. in a way, or in the business world. We've heard about him or her. And I said, it's, he's the result or she's the result of a very simple formula. Stress plus stress equals stress. So now you've got a body that's stressed, tired, depleted, type A, so always hustling and always hungry. Then that person says, I got to train. And they're going to start pushing them. They're going to try to run. They're going to try to lift. They're going to do something to push again. That's, the body interprets that as stress. And finally, when you take the, the stress plus that other stress, the body reaches a point of max stress where it eventually gives out. So it's not always about the exercise. It's not always about the training. Oftentimes, it's about what are we doing to regenerate and recover the body physically and mentally. And that has a greater energy return on a depleted and fatigued and lethargic executive than, than anything, more so than the five mile run, more so than the boot camp, the spin class, the peloton, and all of that and people you know, don't think about that. Well, and this is why this is fascinating. I mean, I found it, this
1: really started as a professional um, in college, physical activity, piece of cake. And, and then as a professional, and I see this with a lot of people I know, and one of my favorite quotes is, there's people that work, and there's people that work out. Nobody does both. I love that quote, <laughs> and I, I use it, but um, what I was getting to is we're, we're at the level you, you mentioned, right? So, um, fatigued kind of on a constant basis and it's actually for real world reasons. So these executives, they're not complaining. Like for me, you know, I've got two young kids. I'm on literally at least four planes a week. Um, all this stuff point being everybody or not everybody, a lot of people listening have this story. Could you walk us through maybe how you would approach it with somebody with that profile? So you've got your type A, successful, working hard, uh, but feels like kind of constantly fighting that energy battle.
2: Now, the biggest thing I start with with them is asking them a question, what what's driving you, right? Like, like what is it that's driving you? Because I want to know what's pushing you to work a schedule like that, right? And, and it's not just to tell you you can't do it. For me, it's to understand who you are as a person and what your motivating it, motivator is and what's driving you you know, or what's pushing you. So when I understand that, now I know the type of person, you know, that you are right. And and okay. for some guys, what I have them do is it, it could start even just, you know, on the road, Hey, where, where can you take advantage of getting a massage? Right. You know, I set up, you know, hotel rooms, make sure they have a bathtub, make sure you got bath salts. And we put all this stuff in the guy's bags, and at night, they're doing things that they've never done before. You know, like how many type A high horsepower male executives, <laughs> especially, you know, are, are taking advantage of this and like, yeah, I'm going to take a bath tonight, you know? yeah, Yeah, I'm, I'm laughing. Like, I was just in it, Dallas. I
1: it, just got back from Dallas and I was in this hotel room with a beautiful tub and I looked at it and I was like. I mean, I can't get in there, right? And of course I didn't, but that's just hilarious.
2: You're you're gonna, you know, it's funny that you say that because, like, I tell people, I always tell people this story. I'm like, you know, people know CC Sabathia, you know, he's six foot six, 300 pounds. And I got this guy hanging out of a bathtub at night in his hotel room with a a bath salts. (laughs) And he's like, hey, man, I lit a candle last night, you know? And, (laughs) And it's such a different mentality. But what we're trying to do is the body is so revved up naturally, when you present, when you teach, when you're in a meeting, when you're speaking to boards or talking to investors or, you know, you're, you're trying to raise money, it's exhausting on the body, you know? So I tell them, people, listen, you got to take advantage of the regeneration protocols, which is, again, taking advantage of the, of the hot baths, steam, sauna, uh, massage. Those are great tools, right? And then the other thing is, too, it's not about the high intensity exercise as much as it is about low intensity durational. So somebody that's tired and fatigued, don't go run five miles. Get yourself on a bike and do five miles on a bike where your heart rate is not overly high. You're not pushing and trying to set records here like like as if you're in that Peloton class. Your body wants almost more soothing type um, protocols as opposed to aggressive. We do the same thing with players. When I see a player that's fatigued and tired um, or not performing maybe down a tick, we don't ramp them up. We pull them all the way back. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. It's, it's how you manage player
0: and, and, and personal performance. And now a quick word from this week's sponsor. Being stuck at home these days, you probably don't think much about internet privacy on your own home network. Fire up incognito mode on your browser and no one can see what you're doing, right? Wrong. Even in incognito mode, your online activity can still be traced. Even if you clear your browsing history, your internet service provider can still see every single website you've ever visited. That's why even when I'm at home, I never go online without using ExpressVPN. I love ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN makes sure your ISP can't see what sites you visit. Instead, your internet connection is rerouted through ExpressVPN's secure servers. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your data with best-in-class encryption, so your information is always protected. Use the internet with confidence from your computer, tablet, or smartphone. ExpressVPN has you covered on every device. Simply tap one button and you're protected. ExpressVPN is the fastest and most trusted VPN on the market. It's rated number one by CNET, Wired, The Verge, and countless more. So protect your online activity today with the VPN that I trust to secure my privacy. Visit our link at expressvpn.com/spp, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's e x p r e s s vpn.com/spp. One last time, head over to expressvpn.com slash SPP to learn more. And now back to the episode.
1: You mentioned getting longer. And I think in a world where people are literally on the go, and so we're sitting in a car, sitting at a desk, sitting in a plane, sitting, sitting, sitting. Um, That idea of lengthening, it really resonates with me, uh, but... You know, when you say stretch, I, again, I just know people because that a I lot of us are similar. Yeah, we're not going to do it because we're just sitting on the ground, not getting anything done. Yep. So, what? How do we get longer? What do you mean by that? What are some things that we can do? And even tools, if you have them, things to go buy.
2: You know. Yeah. So, like even now, you know, I'm sure you've seen these advertisements for some of these tools that are out there. These pulsation guns, right? You press. Yeah. In. They pulsate the muscle. One is called, uh, you know, hyperice is, is, is one that you can take advantage of. Um, you know, there's different tools to do that. And in doing that, here's here's the reality, right? In those tight muscles, in those locked up muscles, there's energy locked up in there. And if the body becomes short, you're basically turning off what I call your energy channels. And again, you're not taking advantage of what your body has to offer you which is crazy. And I'm not saying you should stretch for 40 minutes a day. That's, that's not what, (laughs) but there's key areas, you know, while you're on the phone. I mean, I was just actually doing it two minutes ago while I'm doing this with you. You know, you sweat, you stretch your hip flexors, you stretch your quadriceps. Those are two areas that are extremely tight on, on the traveling executive. we got to stretch them. It takes no time. I'm talking, you could be on a phone call. There's things that you can do Uh, while you're doing other things. Nobody says you have to be doing this exclusively. And I know that that fast mind of the type A high performer has a very hard time staying singular, you know, and just doing something so slow and laid back, you know. (laughs) Um, So if you're going to do that too, you may want to find different times of day where you're already a bit out of it. You know, you may want to take that bath at night and then do a little stretching and then go right to bed because the bath does something what I call downshifting. It downshifts your nervous system, which takes you from a place of excitement down to a place of relaxation naturally. That's the whole idea behind incense and um, you know uh, essential oils and all this kind of stuff. It's just to downshift your nervous system so you can get into a deeper state of relaxation, which goes into the next thing. Most executives and most leaders, they always have something on their mind, so they can't sleep So they wake up, they're not regenerated either because they spend so much time of their day in a heightened state that that becomes the natural state of their body. So when they go to bed, if their body gets too relaxed, they freak out and they wake up. And that's a big thing I'm I'm hearing now with a lot of the leaders that I work with. They can't sleep through the night where they get they're waking up at a certain point in time. And usually it's because they're getting to these deeper levels of sleep and they freak out. The body's not used to being that relaxed. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah.
1: So it is really crazy. And I know, well, I'm assuming, so actually I shouldn't make assumptions here. When you were doing this, and again, I know you do a lot of it now um, with executives. I just am fascinated by the athletic part and I know how it translates into the business part. When you were doing this with athletes and Uh, Did you have mental and physical coaches kind of on your staff or did you handle one of those areas
2: or how does that work? How's that set up? Definitely. We had, um, you know, we were one of the first teams to have, you know, mental conditioning, uh, you know, for players. And, and again, it worked in a variety of different ways, you know, for some they wanted motivation. I worked a lot with the players on the mental side when they were dealing with injury and they were really down because, you know, let's face it, their body, their body let them down in a sport where they needed their body. So a lot of, of getting them to understand what was going on, why it happened, and then applying their, their type A, you know, obsessive mindset towards getting better, as opposed to focusing on, well, why did this happen? I can't believe this happened. We don't have time for that. At the end of the day, when you're dealing with the asset values that we're dealing with, we got to get these guys on the field. So we got to get that, that, that laser focus that they, they come with naturally focused on the right things. And that right thing is, you know, what can you do each moment to get yourself better faster so we can get you back out on the field. Mm. And that's what I was going to ask
1: you. What are some tips that we can all use, um, as it relates to mindset training, uh, to be more effective in what we do? What are some things you see translate really well?
2: Yeah, two two things that I do is number one is I say you got to find what your trip wires are. So usually there's these repetitive themes that keep going on in your head that lead you down the same road oftentimes and oftentimes not where you want to go. So for some people, it could be, um, you know, uh, financially, like I know people that run their own business, you know, the first day of the month, they got to pay rent. They got to pay payroll. That's a very stressful day. Um, and they look at it as such, and it just becomes very draining. So you got to find like, is it a financial tripwire you have? Do you have other issues that you know, are causing you to, to, to be in a heightened state? So we got to identify what are those triggers for you, right? And the other thing I do is what's called, mind, I call it mind mapping, where we keep it day to day. I do it in Google Documents. I don't do a, a handwritten journal or anything like that, but it's an ongoing document where we can start to trace what's going on in your head. Like, what are you thinking? Most people have no idea what they're thinking because they never take what's in their head and put it on, put it into, into text and put it into words. And when you could study, I I love doing this. I do this with all the clients I work with. We look back over the course of a week, a month, um, two months, a quarter, and they can see where their head was at in every moment. It's the greatest data that you can have it's the data of your own mind it's the data on yourself and it's what you're telling yourself because we have no idea most of us what we think how often we think it and the consequences of that thought but your life is the consequence of what you're thinking that's so it's so true and so
1: fascinating because i i i can't even imagine like i'm almost scared to do that because i'm worried on how much i might beat myself up and i'm sure that's really common like do you notice uh, an oftentimes a slant towards the i don't know if negatives the word but just being hard on ourselves people are or is it the opposite in high performers
2: uh no high performers are uh they beat the hell out of themselves huh they, they never celebrate victory um uh, because there's always another victory to be had and they're very very abusive on themselves and there's definitely not a lot of compassion as it relates to themselves but that they they don't even know that they're doing it so when you can start to put this stuff on uh, put it down and look at it and actually read the story of your brain and read the story of your life and read the story that you're telling yourself it's amazing what you learn about yourself and that's how actually how I get a lot of breakthrough with people. Cause when they write things, the great thing about the Google docs is I get to write notes on the side that provoke deeper thought. I don't just let people say what, what they're saying. We got to get deeper. And that eventually takes them to, to greater levels of freedom. The most leaders, most, you know, high performers, their, their biggest fear is actually it's two-parted. It's number one, losing it all. And number two is a lack of, of relevance. So, um, and, and wrapped around that is their whole identity is oftentimes what they do, which, again, is just external. Uh, it's, an, it's an external validator. As opposed Absolutely. To, you know, yeah. to get Them to, to reestablish confidence within themselves. And we started off by asking and finding out why they don't have it in themselves. And we build safeties. We do different techn- things to create deeper levels of comfort with with the self. And from there you build out of it. And this is, again, these are the things that you do with athletes. It's just, it's not spoken about. And I know in, in alpha culture, it's something that's um, oftentimes like, I'm not, do, you know, I'm not, I don't do that stuff, but when yeah. they do it, man, they take to it and they get really excited about for so the first time they're taking a deeper look into who they are. Um, and And not from like a therapy standpoint, but, But a deeper look, in a way that's that's directly applicable to to being um, uh, an even higher performer than they are today. Absolutely, no, it's really helpful information.
1: I want to um I want to talk a little bit about your book, but before we do that, I have one last question that's just been on my mind, and well, actually, it's kind of two as it relates to sports. Um, One is like, who was the most physically gifted athlete you ever? got a chance to see
2: huh um I would say that Derek Jeter um had an amazing gift uh in terms of his overall talent and just his whole being um and he I gotta say he's pretty much tied with 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 Mariano those two guys were just really on un- I mean Mariano is an unbelievable athlete um the two of those guys. Yeah, I, I, I can't put one ahead of the other. I, I would, uh, yeah, two amazing two amazing athletes. And, like and- I, I genuinely wouldn't put
1: Mo in that category from an outside perspective. I mean, I just don't, obviously, you I don't know, know him. He was a
2: baseball player. He was a soccer player. Like his passion, I mean, one of his big passions uh, is soccer. So his footwork is incredible. And his ability to move his body and control his body in space is is pretty pretty amazing, you know start stop change directions i mean better wow. than than most people wow, I didn't know
1: that did yeah. you um i'm trying to think i would imagine it it was, but I'm
2: not positive. did you work with Brett Gardner at all yeah, yeah Brett so Brett's an interesting guy I was actually thinking about him before, so Brett's a guy that certainly didn't have enough uh the talent of exactly. a Derek or some of these exactly. other players. Now he's a guy that had had above average talent, not great though, not whole, not not unbelievable talent. He had talent of a guy that should have been in the in the league probably five years, and he's had a ten plus year career because an uh, just knows exactly what he has to do. Uh, very focused player, doesn't get caught up in any BS, and he's hundred percent focused on on being a great player. Yeah.
1: I was curious about that. I, you know, I had a friend who I think they went to high school with him and they knew somebody who went to high school and they said almost exactly that. Like, yeah, he's good. Okay. Right. He's obviously, he's a good athlete. You, you can't make it if you're not, but like he was psychotic about the, the physical mental aspect, like the, the, um, it's a word I'm looking for. Gosh, the discipline that, that's yeah. what they were saying. The discipline he had even in high school was not even it was just beyond normal. And I'm yeah. curious, like how that translated in the majors.
2: Yeah. Same same thing. You know, he the, the thing with him is he never tried to be too much. He knew what, what type of player he was and he wasn't trying to hit home runs. He knew that he was a guy that was a, a lay a bunt, move a guy, guy over, steal a base, you know, get a single, get a double. But he was never trying to hit bombs. So he, what, what's allowed him to be successful most of his career is that he stayed true to who he was. He knew what his ability was, what his talent was, and what he was, what he was paid to do. You know, mm. really important.
0: And now a quick word from this week's sponsor. This week's episode is brought to you by The Great Courses Plus. With all that's going on right now, we at Smart People Podcast are so grateful for The Great Courses Plus. What an incredible resource this streaming service has been for us and our families. The Great Courses Plus provides the space to continue exploring the world while staying indoors, keeping our brains active and engaged. There's so much you can learn. A course for every curiosity. From hobbies like playing guitar, practicing yoga, or performing magic tricks, to classics like history, science, and literature. If you don't know where to start, we recommend checking out the course Brain Myths Exploded, lessons from neuroscience. Have you ever wondered how are smartphones affecting our intelligence or are other animals as conscious as humans? Well, if you have, check out Brain Myths Exploded. You can watch or listen anytime through the Great Courses Plus app. Even stream the videos to your TV to watch as a family. You can keep the kids learning while they're out of school. Whether they're high school or college students, it's a great supplement to education for any age. And now is the perfect time to start. Everybody's inside. Everybody could be learning. The Great Courses Plus is giving our listeners this fantastic offer a free trial of unlimited access to the entire library. Sign up today using our special URL to get started. You can start your free trial at thegreatcoursespluscom smart people. Again, that's the Great Courses Plus dot com slash smart people and now back to the episode what about and you mentioned this last question i'll ask about yankees
1: you mentioned C.C. like so that is a guy that really <laughs> from external everything shouldn't even be an athlete i mean not only is he massive but like rumor has it he eats i i forget what it was some kind of it, he lived off of junk food is what i heard That's um a- Yes. Captain crunch. That's what it was.
2: What's he like, uh, you know, as an athlete and behind the scenes. again, super, a super talented player. Um, and, and again, what I find like, especially with baseball players, what makes, what makes these guys amazing is they have such incredible ability to control their body. And they just, they, there's no wasted movements with these guys. Like, here's something I always tell people I've never seen these guys trip. Like, yeah, every once uh, in a while I catch an edge and I trip or I go on up the steps and I miss this, you know, whatever. Like just day to day. I never see any missteps. It's the craziest thing. Yeah. You just have such control of their body that 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 the average or even slightly above average, they, they don't have. But but a guy like Cece, you know, you can't underestimate his his natural strength. I mean he's he's like, you know, there's people in our population that just are naturally have more body fat. They're they're holders. They're not burners. Mm-hmm. They hold mm-hmm. the weight. Um, and, you know, but they're still could be very talented. And there's a lot of guys in the NFL like that, especially. Well, and I know one
1: of the things, I can't remember what year this was, but there was a, a lot made of his longevity actually might be caused by some of his weight. It was a weird a thing I heard was like he has the stability and the core strength and the like I, because he lasted. I mean, Cece,
2: geez, that dude threw gas for a long, long time. Yeah, he he had a fifteen year career. Um, yeah, and and so so longevity wise, again, think about it. He's three times what the average is. So he did he did really well. So teams got a return on that on that investment in terms of longevity. But um, the one thing I always when I talk to a GM about players and weight and all that, I say, listen, if you're looking at a player's weight, you're only looking at one thing. you got to look at weight. you got to look at body fat. You have to look at circumference. You have to also look at, um, you know, their statistics. And then you also have to go ask the player, how do you feel? Because there's players and CeCe is one of them. We we took a lot of weight off of him at one point. And he felt worse. He, he, his fastball velocity went down. He wasn't the same pitcher. So is it like, hey, we got your weight down, but now you have no confidence? Right, is that the right thing to do. I don't think right. so. Right. I think that's what I remember. I actually remember that. Did yeah. you did you ever work with Mattingly? Yeah, I mean, he was really. I thought he yeah. was before you got there. He was before, well, well, I worked with him as a coach, not as a player. Oh, right, 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 man, because yeah. like that's I'm that's Jordan. my guy. Like Mattingly yeah. is, to me, he is like everything that is baseball. Just saw him in the dugout uh, yesterday, uh, two days ago. I was at the Marlins game and uh, what? And, and he was there. So he's, uh, he's still doing it. He's had an amazing management career that nobody's talking about. Um, I, I believe now he's been coaching way longer than he's been playing. Yeah. I mean, that guy, like talk about class act. I'll tell you a quick story. We were at a Yankees game. I was
1: about Eight, I think. And I was with my mom and we were trying to get, um, an autograph from him and we were kind of one of the first ones down by the side. And so when people saw it, they rushed and like, we ended up, I was just little at the time we ended up getting like almost crushed. Like we were being pushed up against it and he like was not having it. So he kind of clicked, like he saw me and my mom literally, and he kind of cleared it out, kind of said, Hey, give me your stuff. He signed my stuff like, and I was young. I mean that that's the type of thing that'll leave an impression on you.
2: Oh yeah, now he's he's a uh definitely a class act, uh total pro and and just a really nice guy. I mean, yeah. he's he's everything that that a captain of a team should be. Yeah. And you know, there's a lot of lessons to learn from a guy like that. That's for sure. I, I
1: can imagine. Well, I want to talk real quick about your book because everybody listening, I mean, gosh, we've we've covered a lot and I mean, it's, I've loved every second of it because even as an athlete or, or an executive or not even executive, just somebody working today. I mean, it's exhausting. Learned a lot. You've got this book, habits of a champion. Nobody becomes a champion by accident. And you take a lot of what we're talking about and go into even more depth. So tell us like, what is your favorite part of this book?
2: Um, and, and what do you think it can help the average person with? Well, When I wrote the book, um, I, I tried to write it as if it were to be more of a handbook than just a book. So it's like, you know, you can open it really at any page and there'll be a good lesson to help you reinforce, you know, your thinking to, you know, good positive thinking, but not like Pollyanna positive. It's like, hey, here's a story and here's the lesson. But it's something that you could usually apply directly to your life right now. And what got me, what got me to write this book was, you know, as a coach, you're always looking for resources so you can provide your players with the best knowledge and the best, really just the best coaching possible. And I'd go through these bookstores and I'd I'd purchase books on personal development, psychology development, and I'd read the book. And I tell you what, I'd put the book down and I'd feel like oftentimes that I'm failing because I I'm I'm not doing all of these things that the book says to do yet. On how to be successful, and this, that, and the other thing, and and on a day to day basis, I had a chance to work with some of the greatest sports talent and some of the greatest business talent in the world, and I the way I saw them go about their business and about their work and about you know just their overall being and what I was reading, there was a tremendous gap. So I said that that's a problem to me. I mean, hmm. so so what I did was I wrote I wrote a book that was much more real organic and honest as opposed to just you know theory and classroom based development i didn't want to do yeah, i didn't want it to be that i wanted it to be real life development as opposed to classroom and, and theory well and my guess i mean i just in talking to you for this hour i mean look i talked to a lot
1: of people but you were able to just identify things as it relates to coaching strength energy so quickly like this hey let's not get in the gym let's lengthen and slow down i mean it's like yeah even as soon as you said it i'm like damn like that's kind of where i'm at right now you know so i could just when you talk about being real what people needed i know that that's exactly what we've talked about on this interview translates into that book and it's not kind of the theory or you know, it's not
2: something that's unattainable, which is really cool, right? Because we we want people, to, we want I want you to win. I want you to experience what winning is. Because there's people that off, maybe haven't won in a while because of the pressure they put on themselves and these the thing they focus on all the things that they're not doing. And I just want to give people a few things that you could easily do, you know, to create that that winning again in your life and that that winning uh, that momentum that leads to winning. Winning, yeah. winning, winning. And winning's a fun thing. It's a good thing. And it's it's something that I wish was spoken about more and 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 positively, because it's great. Yeah.
1: I love that. And it's such a good message too. And I wanted to mention, you know, yes, we've got this book, Habits of a Champion, but you also have a podcast, Becoming a Champion, with Coach Dana Cavelia. Is that how you pronounce it? Cavalia. Cavalia. So becoming a champion with Coach Dana Cavalier. How's that
2: going for you? You enjoying that process? You know what? I, I, I enjoy it. And, and I, I, you know, I'm telling a podcast guy this, but I, I enjoy it because I don't have any guests. <laughs> I feel like, you know, I, 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 I know that everybody's, everybody, well, not everybody, but a majority of people have, have a lot of guests on their show. And that, for me, I, I wanted to do something where it was more of a monologue um, and no longer than 10 minutes. So yep. usually right around six or seven minutes. And it's just something a good, just some fuel for people to take with them uh, to go about their day. And, and that's what this whole all of this is. You know, for me, my my whole thing is I want you to know that there's a champion inside you and it's your job to bring that champion to life. So whatever tools I could give you, bring you um, and, and assist you with bringing that champion to life, that that's the goal, both physically and mentally.
1: I love that. And yeah, I mean, look, the reason we interview experts is because when we started, I just was solely in learning mode. And I thought, how can I learn from the best in the world? But I think the more you experience, the more you learn, the more you put yourself out there, the more you feel you have to offer. And it's just as much fun to share that information as it is to gain it. And that's just coming from me because I've thought in over the past year or two, I think I also want to create a short monologue type one just to kind of simplify everything I've learned, which is exactly what you're doing. And it's cool because it's from
2: athletes and business people and experts. It's really, really pretty interesting. So I'm yeah, sure yeah. people will go check that out. For, for me on another side of it, you know, I'm not as good of an interviewer as you. So I <laughs> if I do the monologue, I don't have to do the interview. I can focus on the message, you know, I do. because that. That, That's a gift too. you know, being able to to ask the right questions and keep the flow going. And like we started earlier, right? What, what, what is your position of strength? What makes mm. you the best and 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 what's the best position for you to stay in alignment so you can have success. And, and that's what, that's, that's what helps me drive a lot of my decisions.
1: I love that. And I think it's something that can drive everybody listening. Well, coach Dana, listen, I don't want to keep you any longer. I know it's Friday afternoon, but man, I have thoroughly enjoyed this. I love really that. appreciate you coming on. Uh, the book again, Habits of a Champion. Can't recommend it enough, especially if you liked this interview. You liked what we talked about. I mean, just imagine what's in that book for you. So uh, before we let you go, point us in any direction. Um, are you writing? Are you tweeting? Are you wh- where are you these days?
2: Yeah. So the best place to find me is danacavalier.com. and that has links to my to my Twitter, which is Dana Cavalia. Instagram, which is the real coach D. And, um, and I do a daily blog where I, 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 write every morning, Monday through Friday. It's sort of my, kick my business people in the butt and let them have a little something positive in the morning. It's a minute and a half read to get you going every day. So that's, that's my home base, danacavalier.com. And the book is on Amazon. All right. And we will link to all of that as well. So again, uh, Dana, thanks so much. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it as well.
0: That's it for today's episode. That was Coach Dana and Coach Dana's book, Habits of a Champion, Nobody Becomes a Champion by Accident, can be found wherever books are sold. I hope everybody's doing well during this coronavirus, COVID-19 pandemic. I know I'm going a little crazy. All well, my family and friends were getting a little stir crazy, but I hope you're staying healthy. Hope you're staying busy And I hope you're doing a lot of learning and just bettering yourself and whatever you can do to help pass this time. As always, if you ever want to reach out to the podcast, you can email Chris and I at smartpeoplepodcast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at smartpeoplepod. And if you'd ever like to support the show, a free and easy way to do so is just heading over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your podcast and just leave us a rating and review. And if you ever are feeling generous and you want to support us monetarily, you can head over to patreon.com smartpeoplepodcast. And of course, if you want to stay up to date with all things Smart People Podcast, head over to the website smartpeoplepodcast.com and sign up for the newsletter. All right, that's it for us this week. Make sure you stay tuned, because we've got a lot of great content coming up, a lot of great interviews. So we'll see you all next episode.